Well, good morning again, church. I'm really, really grateful that you're here today. I hope that you've been encouraged. And as Chris said earlier, if you're a guest, we want to extend a special welcome to you this morning. And we hope you'll stick around after worship and give us a chance to visit with you and welcome you personally. Uh, if you're a member of this church family, you're invited to look around and welcome anybody that you may not recognize and uh, those that you may not know. Along that line, I want to take just a moment as we get started, and I want to read a note that was given to me uh, by Jerry and Laurie James. Jerry and Laurie James are sitting right here in this section about halfway up. You want to raise your hand and recognize where you are. Jerry and Laurie have been uh, visiting with this church family for several months and want to officially be recognized as a part of this family, and they've written this note that they want you uh, to hear. It says... Uh, We want to thank this church for being so friendly and gracious to us as we have newly moved to the area and have had opportunities to worship with you. In Ephesians 2.22, we are all taught that in Him and in the fellowship with one another, that you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Today, we want to outwardly express our desire to join with this church family in a covenant connectedness. I love those words, Lori. We hope to become working members of this loving and spirit-filled branch of the body of Christ, uh, written Jerry and Lori James. So would you welcome them? Let's we're excited to see the ways that God uses the two of you, and, and we're really grateful that you want to uh, join us on the journey with Christ. I'm going to ask if you would stand, and if you're near Jerry or Lori and you want to surround them and encourage them, we're going to pray for our time in God's Word together. Uh, and also welcome them into this family this morning. Father, we're thankful today that we are the body of Christ as we've already sung and as we will sing again in just a few minutes. And we want this morning to be reminded of that again and how we think about our relationships with one another. And I pray that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear all that you want us to see and hear as we study your word together this morning. We believe, God, that Christ, the living Word, is faithful and true. And we want to surrender our lives again this morning in faithful service to Him. And we're grateful for Jerry and for Laurie and their desire to uh, be a part of this church family and be publicly recognized in that way this morning. We ask for your blessing upon them. We ask that you grant them with uh, continued health and renew their spirit as they... uh, As they have moved to this new area, we pray that they will uh, jump in and be active members of this family. We're excited to see the ways that you'll use their gifts uh, for the furtherance of your kingdom here in Kaufman County, Father. We're grateful for what you're doing and for the fact that we get to be a part of it. We get to be at your table and a part of your kingdom and in this life together with you and with one another. We pray through the all-powerful name of Jesus Christ and the church said, amen. Thank you, guys. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 together. I want to encourage you to find Colossians chapter 3 and and turn in your Bibles there. Or if you don't have a Bible, there may be one there in front of you in the pew. And you might want to find Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read from there together in just a minute. We're in a sermon series right now that we're calling Life Together. And this is week 3 of that series. And I want to start this morning by just kind of reminding us what we're doing and what we're thinking about as we've 
been spending some time over the last couple of weeks and will continue over the next couple of weeks thinking about life together. What are we talking about? What do I mean when I say life together? There's a couple of questions that I, I wanna, want you to consider this morning as we study from Colossians chapter 3, and those questions are, what does it mean to be a part of a church? You know, we're a part of this church family, but what does that mean? What does that look like? And how does that get played out? And then how are we to interact with one another as we live our lives together as a church family? What's unique about church community that's different from other groups and gatherings that all of us are a part of through the everyday course of our lives? And so one reason we're asking these questions is because we want to think about what it means for us to be a more connected body to share, to use Lori's language from that note, this a covenant relationship that is connected. We have a covenant connectedness to one another. So that's one reason we're, we're thinking about life together. The other reason is that we're in the process of relaunching a small group ministry here at KCOC. And as we do that, we want to spend some time thinking about, and uh, want everyone to spend some time thinking about their place, your place in this church family? How can we live life together in such a way that we're helping one another grow in Christ and become the people that we are capable of becoming together? We can do some things individually, but we will always be able to do more together. And that's the way that Jesus designed it. And so to help us think about our lives together, we're looking at a number of one another passages, what are often referred to as the one another passages in uh, the New Testament, and and there's a lot of them, and we're not gonna we're not covering all of them in this series. Last week we talked about loving one another, and today we're going to talk about and look at the teaching that Paul shares in the New Testament of bearing with one another, bearing with one another. And so, to think about that, I want to read from Colossians chapter three, uh, beginning in verse nine, and verse nine kind of picks up in the middle of a paragraph. And we're going to kind of pick up in the middle of a, a thought that Paul has as he's writing to this church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, verse, beginning in verse 9. He says, Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So in this entire section, Paul is is talking really about new life. That's kind of a theme of what he's talking about in this part of Colossians. New life that a person has in Christ, that once a person is in Christ, something is different about them. They are a part of the body, he says. They're connected to the community of faith, and they share a spiritual connection with other people that are in this church in Colossae in the same way that we, we share a spiritual connection with one another. 
And in the beginning of these, these verses that I read, he, he, say, he uses language that is, uh, it's, it's intentionally trying to get us to think about clothing, putting on something and taking off something. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator, Paul compares your life to putting on clothes, to putting on specifically not just any clothes, but new clothes. New clothes, when we get them, when we buy them, when we, you know, get them out at home, we begin to wear them. They, they look different, right? They, they're clean. They're not worn out. And as you, step, you and I step into this new, in, this new life together, this new encounter together as individuals, we do that, but we, we do it also as a community. But what does this new clothing look like? Well, he Fortunately for us, he kind of lays out a list of things. It looks like compassion, understanding. Compassion is understanding, having sympathy toward one another. Kindness, which is a a generous consideration toward others. It's really being Christ-like in your attitude toward other people. Humility is is the posture that we take when we we renounce our desire to be self-centered and we think about others. Gentleness, we let go of harshness, a harsh way of speaking, a harsh way of being toward other people, and and violence, maybe not violence in an actual violent sense like we think about it, but violence has a lot of forms, right? It doesn't just mean death. We can also behave violently toward one another, and gentleness is the opposite of that kind of behavior. And patience, he says, we renounce our own agenda and our timing more specifically, and we allow God's timing to control. And then at the end of this list of what this new clothing looks like, he adds this other item, this other garment for us to put on. In verse 13, he adds, bear with one another. Bear with one another. But what does it mean to bear with someone? It literally means, the word in Greek literally means to put up with when faced with something disagreeable, annoying, or difficult. You are bearing with someone when you are putting up with some, something that you're faced with that is disagreeable, maybe even annoying, or just plain difficult. And ouch is exactly the response that I had as I began to prepare for this sermon. I thought, Man, I love these people, my people, right? But, but, I, but sometimes we, you know, this is, this is a word I think I need to hear. And I think we need to hear that part of what it means to be a community is that there are times where we bear with one another, where we, we continue to live in community knowing that, that these moments are going to happen. Disagreement, annoyance, difficulty are a part of being a family. They are a reality for us. So to bear with someone means that you are going to restrain your natural reaction by the help of the Holy Spirit, because it's going to be hard for you to do on your own, toward another person. And specifically, right now, we're talking about toward other people in this community of faith. The, the, word can, the words that Paul uses here can also mean tolerate, it can mean endure. It can actually, sometimes it's used to talk about listening well to someone else, which is a part of what bearing with, I think we can see the application there. Being satisfied with them being as they are and allowing that process to unfold in their life 
just like they are allowing it to unfold in yours. Paul wants us to endure with one another, to show tolerance toward one another, to make allowances for one another's faults. This is, this is a way, his way, I think, of talking about what it looks like to practice grace, to practice love. Last week, we talked about loving one another, and this is a way to practice loving one another. You show someone you love them by bearing with them. You give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes we make judgments about people incorrectly. Sometimes we assume that we know their heart, we know their motives, we know their attitude, we know their story. And it can be our default behavior, our default mental posture to not give people the benefit of the doubt, not give each other the benefit of the doubt because we're sinners and we're imperfect. So what I, I do instead, if I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt, instead of bearing with you, is that I make assumptions, right? I bet they did that on purpose. I bet he said that just to make me mad. Instead of bearing with someone, we might give up. They're never going to change. Or they've hurt me so bad that I'm not going to give effort in that relationship. But church, and I want you to hear me on on this point now. Paul believes that this idea is more than just a good idea. Paul believes that it is possible. Paul believes that it is the way that a church should function and live their life together. When we have grown weary of someone, what we typically think is, I've had enough, right? I've had enough. But bearing with someone is the opposite of, I've had enough. Remember that Paul's goal in writing to this church and to our church is growth, not numerical growth necessarily, but spiritual growth, maturity. He wants our churches, he wants wants Christians to grow up into Christ, to be mature. And the kind of maturity that Paul wants for our church family, that Christ wants for our church family, is the kind of maturity that allows someone to put other people before themselves, to be gracious and kind, to be patient, and to make allowances for one another's faults. The kind of maturity that Christ wants for the church is the kind of maturity where people are regularly practicing grace toward one another so that they assume the best instead of assuming the worst. When we assume the best about one another, when we bear with one another, we are giving each other the benefit of the doubt. And, and I, I've said before that part of the beauty of the church is that we get to be connected to a group of people that don't always think like us, and don't always have the same interests as us. And they may not look like us. They may not vote like us. They may not have our same background. But they are our people because we are a part of the body of Christ together. And because Jesus said that we are the body of Christ. Because we've joined our lives with one another's lives. And this is why we refer to the church as a family. And the reality is that a family has everybody, right? The family, a family usually has the, the quiet person, the loud person, the crazy Uncle Steve, right? The wayward child. Every family's got a struggling marriage, the one who is out of work, the person who may irritate you, right? Like, like this is a part of our, our reality. 
And we see that in our actual families, and, and then we sort of get surprised when it happens in church, and we still use the family kind of language. And so, as I think about it, maybe we should be less surprised by that, right? That we have all the same dynamics in a church family that actually exist in a family. Past hurts and pains that need to be reconciled. Conversations that have been avoided for years. And if I'm speaking to your actual family, then you need to hear that word from the Lord this morning, maybe more than you need to hear the word about our church family. Because the reality is that maybe some things that need to happen within your actual nuclear family right? But, but this, these realities happen in our families, and we should expect that they're going to happen at times here as well. And because Christianity involves other people, because it, it, it can't happen without each other, it will not always be tidy and clean. I'm, I may have to be a part of a church with someone that annoys me, that irritates me at times. I may have to share my church with someone that disagrees with me in some areas, and you might have to as well, which is why Paul encourages them and us to bear with one another. Paul speaks this word about bearing with one another, and, and I'm sure you noticed as we were reading in Colossians 3 a minute ago, in the same breath, he mentions that we are to forgive one another. Living in community with other Christians will require the practice of forgiveness. And this could probably have been its own week, but I think it's, I'm going to address it this morning because I think that it's important that Paul mentions them really, I, th- I think, in the, same, in the same breath. And it's significant because I think these two are so closely linked together. If I'm going to bear with you and you're going to bear with me and we're going to bear with one another, it will require that we be quick to extend forgiveness. Sometimes it might be forgiveness for an actual wrong that someone has done toward you, a hurt that someone has has happened at the hands of someone else that's a brother and sister in Christ. But it might also be forgiveness in a different sense, in the sense that sometimes we just need to extend grace to one another and look past or maybe even look over some of another person's imperfections in the same way that you hope that they look past or over yours. Forgiveness that recognizes, forgiveness is this practice that, you know, that that in in practicing forgiveness is, is a way of living that recognizes that we also have been forgiven as well. The truth is that you can always find something that irritates you. You can always find something that bothers you, something that troubles you. You know, the sermon didn't do this. They didn't say hi to me. The worship wasn't this way or that way. I didn't like the way that thing happened. Whatever it is, right? In a church, I mean, there's always going to be something that you don't like. And if we just were to take turns lining up, I mean, I'd be first in line, you know? We all have some things we, we would want to share about things we'd like to see different. And, it's, and the reality is that that's always going to be the case. It's not probably ever going to go away. So we can either, with that as our reality, choose to bear with one another and look beyond some of those things, or we can just complain all the time. And I think that it's pretty obvious which one of those cultures you know, is healthy and which one of those is not. And I, I'm, I'm encouraged to say that I don't think that we're living in that place. So really this morning is more just a word about just reminding us about the life we've been called to live into. And I think that it's that simple and it is that difficult. Christianity is about what Jesus has done for us and in us. But let us never forget 
that Christianity is also about how we live with one another for a world that is wondering what difference does Jesus really make. And the more we live into the standards that God has called us to, I really believe with all my heart that the world will take notice and go, these Christians act like people that I've never seen anywhere else. And the reality is, I don't know that our world can say that all the time today. And we can only do something about the person that's in our skin, us, you, me. We can only start with us and and making sure that we're living into that reality and that standard. There are two times that this phrase, bear with one another, gets used in the New Testament. And both times it's used by Paul. One in this letter to the church in Colossae, and the other is uh, to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. And here's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesians chapter 4. The lists are really similar. He says, I urge you, this is just a part of it, but he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. There's some of those same characteristics. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. What you notice in both cases, when these words are written to these two early churches, they're included in a list of instructions about how Christians are to behave together. And Paul's goal in writing to both churches is not, again, numerical, numerical growth, but spiritual growth. He wants mature Christians. And I think the kind of maturity that he's looking for, again, is the kind where we live with an awareness that we are all on a journey and that we have to give each other some grace. So how do we do it? How do we practice bearing with one another? How do we live into the practice of bearing with one another? Well, when I, back, back in 2018, I actually preached in, through the book of Ephesians. Some of you will remember, and many of you have slept and forgotten that since then. But I, I, wanna, I don't think I've ever done this, but as I was preparing for today, I thought I need to bring, there's a, there's a practical word, I think, that, that I was able to share two years ago that I think speaks into this practice and how we live this practice out. And, it, and it's something that Paul actually wrote not long after he wrote those words the other time and about bearing with one another in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 6, he talks about identifying who the real enemy is. And so I want to I say, begin, begin by saying one of the practical ways that we live into this reality of bearing with one another is that it has to start with naming and identifying the real enemy. Because what Satan wants more than anything else is for us to think that the other person who irritates us or bothers us or hurt our feelings or didn't speak to us or forgot to send us a card on our birthday or, or you know, whatever it was, right, looked at me the wrong way or whatever it was, Satan wants you to think that they are the enemy. Because as long as he has you convinced that they're the enemy, then he's, he's got a foothold, Right? And so it begins practically as we think about how do we bear with one another that, man, when I'm, when I'm irritated or you're irritated, as we live in community together, what it starts always starts with is that you look the person in the eye and you remember they are not the enemy. This is how we apply the practice of bearing with one another. Well, how do we, how do we name and identify the enemy? Well, I'm glad you asked. 
Back in Ephesians, again, in 2018, in, in chapter 6, after he, when I preached this, this series and we got to Ephesians chapter 6, I want to remind you about something that I said in that series as Paul was wrap, wrapping up his letter to this church. He says these words in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. All too often, we are fighting the wrong enemy. Your brother and sister for whom Christ died will never be the enemy. And when we align ourselves with Jesus Christ, what happens is that he begins to make our crooked hearts straight. He begins to give us new eyes to see each other as we move forward. He begins through the power of the Holy Spirit to create the fruits of the Spirit within us. And remember, these fruits are love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and goodness and self-control, all things that are involved with bearing with each other that are necessary in order to do that. And as these fruits grow up in our lives, what happens is that we become more capable of living in community. Paul says that our battle is not against flesh and blood. And this is the part you may remember if you were here or listened to that sermon later from Ephesians chapter 6 that I want to leave us with again today as a practical way to think about what it looks like to bear with one another. The way I want you to think about Ephesians 6 verse 12 is again these words. If it has flesh and blood, it is not your enemy. That's the way you decide. Can I bear with this person or not? If they have flesh and blood, the answer is yes, because they're not your enemy. How do I know if I have to bear with them? Paul says, if they have flesh and blood, you have to bear with them. That person that's hard to love, they are not your enemy. That person that hurt you yesterday or hurt you years ago, they may, they may have done something wrong. There might even need to be some distance for, for health and safety and sanity and whatever it may be in your specific situation. But the reality is they aren't the enemy either. They are a person to whom God has ascribed unsurpassable worth and who he died for, and they are not the enemy. The person that has differences of, of opinion on Scripture or society or culture or politics or life or whatever, or just irritates you in general, they are not your enemy. Bearing with one another will be easier when we properly understand the real enemy. All of the one another passages grow out of the first that we talked about last week of loving one another, which is why it's interesting, I think, that Paul wraps up these words in Colossians chapter 3 with the reminder that over the virtue of bearing with one another and forgiving one another and all the others put on love. He says, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul doesn't say we can't disagree. You can disagree. You can even be frustrated. Paul doesn't say that you will, you'll get your way all the time because you won't get your way all the time. But what we, what we must remember is that our battle, who our battle is against, and it is not each other. There's only one option that's given for, to us for how we are to treat flesh and blood, and that is love. And again, it's that simple and it's that difficult. May God help us in our effort to live this out as we do life together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we come grateful for a church family, that we are the body of Christ. And we also recognize that just in our, as in our regular families, our actual families, there are a variety of factors and dynamics that are always in play, that those same kind of things can exist in a church family. And I pray that you'll continue, God, to build a culture here among this church body that is one of grace and patience, that is one of building up the body of Christ in, in love and binding all of these virtues together in perfect unity so that we can be your people in this place. I'm thankful, Father, for the work that you're doing, for the work that you've already done, and the work that you will do in the days ahead with this church body. We are honored to be a part of it and to be called your children. We're grateful for the way that you have, uh, through all of our lives, have put on display time and time again how patient you are with us. May we now live into that as we live our life together, we pray through the name of Jesus Christ. And the church said again together this morning, amen. If you would stand with me this morning. We want to provide a time for response. If you want to respond in a public way, I'll be down front and would love to pray with you. There'll be an elder in the back. You may want to encourage someone around you. And if you want to do that, please, please move and do that while we're singing this next song. And we're going to sing the same song we sang at the beginning about being the body of Christ. And hopefully now, as we've been thinking about that over the last hour together, uh, I want to encourage you to sing this song out as we sing together about our reality as God's people. Let's sing together this time. One heart, one spirit.